On Friday, January 26th of 2024, Michigan football announced its new head coach, that being offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sharon Moore being promoted to the head coach position, a move that I and many supported. I think that Sharon Moore, having managed and won four games last season in Jim Harbaugh's absence, having built up three offensive lines that are national championship caliber in the 2021, 2022, and 2023 seasons, and helping to command two, I'd say great, two near elite, two elite offenses in 22 and 23, have earned him the opportunity to be promoted to head coach. And Ward Manuel was wise enough to do so. And just yesterday, it was announced that Jesse Minter is leaving to the Chargers to be Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator, and Sharon Moore had his introductory press conference. Moore now will have to fill in the gap at defensive coordinator. He will also have to make a hire at offensive coordinator. He'll have to make a hiring at linebackers coach, offensive line coach as well, and probably special teams coordinator is I expect that Jay Harbaugh will also leave for the Chargers following Jim Harbaugh. This is all occurring at the same time that Ohio State with new athletic director Ross Bajork is going out and upping its NIL game, making good hirings, additions to the defensive, offensive, and strength and conditioning staff. This is going on while Caleb Downs and Julian Sayan have committed to Ohio State via the transfer portal, while Ohio State has assembled the number two overall class in the 2024 cycle, factoring in high school recruiting and transfer portal recruiting, only behind number one Georgia. And Ohio State has, as I've mentioned before, returned 11 draft-eligible players and many players that could be taken in day one or day two of the 2024 NFL draft, but they opted to return. Emeka Egbuka being a prime example, Travion Henderson being another prime example, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, JT Tuimolau, Jack Sawyer, Denzel Burke, you could go on. And what I want to talk about today is how does Sharon Moore impact this rivalry? What does he mean for Michigan? What does his promotion and all of, let's be honest, the chaos that's going at Michigan means for Ohio State. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we dive any deeper into this topic, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and click the notification bell so that you can get notified when I post more college football content relating to the Michigan and Ohio State rivalry, the game, the greatest rivalry in sports history, or if I'm making content about other Big Ten schools, Big Ten football, other rivalry games, or college football as a whole. I have some things organized now, and in the beginning of February, beginning middle of February, I'm going to start releasing way too early top 25s, power rankings, Big Ten, and other conference predictions, so make sure to hit that notification bell and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Also, please comment your thoughts on Sharon Moore's hiring and how you would grade both Michigan and Ohio State's 2024 preseason so far, down in the comments section below. And lastly, if you would like to support the channel, please check out my Patreon page 
or my merchandise store via the links in the description or in the pinned comment at the top of the comment section. There will be UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington-themed attire coming soon. So if you're a fan of one of the new Big Ten schools, don't worry. There will be t-shirts in your university colors very soon. But to get back to this topic, Sharon Moore impressed me this season, coming from a Michigan fan. And I talked about this in my video discussing what moves I think Sharon Moore must make in order to maintain Michigan's elite status at the top of college football. Hire an elite offensive coordinator, an elite defensive coordinator, shuffle the staff. That might be necessary, I think, is tilted more towards necessary than not. And get more involved in NIL and continue to recruit and develop, maintain Ben Herbert on the staff. And it was really about the coordinator hirings. But I think Sharon Moore is going to be a great CEO, a great head coach. I think that the way he managed the Penn State game, the way he managed the Ohio State game were awesome, to be frank. Maryland, not so much, but being the game before Ohio State and being, once again, another road game, I don't know if I'm going to exactly pin that performance on him. The Bowling Green game, which was his first game that he coached as the acting head coach at Michigan during Harbaugh's first suspension, that was a poorly managed game. But overall, beating Penn State, beating Ohio State, going on the road and beating Maryland in between those two top 10 games, I think was impressive. And Sharon Moore managed his best game against Ohio State. That Ohio State team is going to be remembered in a biased light due to the Cotton Bowl performance, a horrific Cotton Bowl performance. That team in the Cotton Bowl that Ohio State put out there against Missouri was nowhere near comparable to the Ohio State team that took the field in Ann Arbor, a team that had a elite defensive effort, whose offensive line played one of the best games of the entire season under Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, and really a unit that struggled for much of the season, and a unit where being coached by Justin Fry, he got a lot of flack for this season, for the this past season, really, in 2023. It sounds so weird to say this past season in reference to 2023, but whatever. Ohio State played one of their best games of the season against Michigan. They did, even with the two picks. That's in McCord's nature to throw inaccurate passes against what was potentially the best secondary in college football. And it was on the road. You have to factor that in. Ohio State played closer to their ceiling that day than Michigan did in my mind. And yet, Michigan played pretty darn close to their ceiling as well. And in a game where you're without your head coach, Jim Harbaugh, yes, he was able to game plan with the team, but for Sharon Moore to step in, to beat Ryan Day, to manage 60 minutes properly while calling plays, he can juggle tasks. And that's a requirement of being a head coach at a high level. Now, Sharon Moore just coached four games in the season. He didn't coach the whole season. He wasn't the primary game planner or CEO for this season, and that he will have to learn, and the sooner, the better. 
but I am confident in his abilities. And again, to go back to Ohio State, the 2023 season will not be remembered in an appropriate light, in my opinion, because that Cotton Bowl performance even taints my own opinion of that Ohio State team. It, it really does. And I try and filter it out as much as I can in my final poll, which I didn't release because I care more about power rankings than polls, but I have a private top 25 that I posted for much of 2023. I still had Ohio State in my top four to finish out the season because I thought that they were an elite team this year. Offensively challenged at times, yes, but defense was vicious. They still had Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka and great skill position players. Speaking of Ohio State and speaking of Ryan Day, Ryan Day's the best head coach in the Big Ten now that Jim Harbaugh's gone, and I think Ryan Day is a near-elite to elite head coach. Now, Day just can't even believe I'm saying this, but just five, five and a half, six years ago was named as Ohio State's head coach after Urban Meyer, a legend at Ohio State who won one national championship, retired. He abruptly retired. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, it was probably more expected that he was going to the NFL compared to what was expected of Urban Meyer at Ohio State. I think Urban Meyer's retirement was abrupt but maybe I'm wrong. I was much younger when he retired than I was now. That was closer to a decade ago than a year ago. But I think there are a lot of similarities between the hiring that Ward Manuel in Michigan made, promoting Sharon Moore from offensive coordinator to head coach. I think it has a lot of similarities to the hiring that Gene Smith and Ohio State football made, bringing Ryan Day from offensive coordinator to being the head coach for the Buckeyes. Day was involved in upgrading Ohio State's offense from 2017 to 2018 before being promoted to head coach. This was after Ed Warner and I think Tim Beck was the other co-offensive coordinator just wrecked Ohio State's offense. I mean, the transition from Tom Herman, him leaving after 2014, to... The 2015 and 2016 offenses, it was obvious that the new coordinators were not at Tom Herman's level. Tom Herman was a Broyles Award winner, or finalist at least, after the 2014 season. I think he ended up winning the award, but I could be wrong. Great offensive coordinator. Great offensive mind. Uh, Tim Beck, Ed Warner, not so much at the elite level or the blue blood level. I mean, they had elite talent like all Ohio State teams did. And yet in 2016, it was the defense for Ohio State that carried them throughout the season to go 11-1, and beat Michigan at the end of the year. They almost beat Penn State, but lost. And they went to the college football playoff. And there they got shut out by Clemson. Warner and Beck are fired. And Day is brought on um, in 2018. He was the main offensive coordinator. In 2017, he was a co-offensive coordinator along with Kevin Wilson, but involved with quarterbacks. J.T. Barrett's quarterback play in 2017 improved from 2016. And Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace to him, he was an elite college quarterback in 2018. And he wasn't the typical Urban Meyer quarterback either. The typical Urban Meyer quarterback was an athlete, someone who could run a spread option. Uh, Haskins was not was not a fan of using his legs, nor did he have great athletic ability 
with his legs. But Day revolutionized the offense. He changed it. The reason why Ohio State right now is in the conversation to be wide receiver university or that they're known to be this pass-heavy NFL Air, air raid at times, although that's not the actual offense, but because they've passed so much under day, especially in 2021, that's their reputation. They have that reputation. They're known as that school with wide receivers and quarterbacks because of day. That was not how Urban Meyer operated at Ohio State. That That was mostly Ryan Day, and kudos to Urban Meyer for bringing him on the staff. Day had a 3-0 record. He also served in the interim head coach capacity. Urban trusted him to manage the team when he was suspended in 2018 the same way that Jim Harbaugh trusted Sharon Moore to manage the team during his second suspension and partially with other assistants during his first. And now Ryan Day holds a 56-8 overall record. 56-8. and And people want him fired. And I think it's lunacy. I think the Cotton Bowl performance and three losses in a row to Michigan somewhat have lightened my animosity toward that opinion, but you have to see how he does in 2024. The people who are calling him to be fired immediately after this season or the 2022 season, they, whether they're fans or even former Ohio State players, you, you don't know you frankly don't know football if you want someone who's fired 56-8 and eight when they've won the Big Ten twice, when they've reached the college football playoff. And yes, he needs to do better in big games. He needs to win the Big Ten. He needs to beat Michigan just from the Ohio State standard. But he is a, I think right now, for sure top 10 head coach. And I would go as far to put him in the top six, top five, top four, especially with Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh retiring Two coaches that no doubt after 2023 would be ahead of Ryan Day on the pedigree board, on the tier list. But 56-8 and eight overall record. He's not lost to any Big Ten team except for Michigan in five years coaching in the conference, which is just insane. It also goes to show how it's really Michigan, Ohio State, maybe Penn State in that top really two-and-a-half team league, like the teams who before this year could had the potential to win the Big Ten. Now I think Oregon, maybe USC if they get things right on defense. I thought Washington, if they maintain, maintained Kalen DeBoer, could be in that championship tier, but he left for Alabama and took a lot of the team with him. Sharon Moore, similarly to Ryan Day, revolutionized Michigan's offense in 2021, 2022, and 2023, and he is a proven game manager. He was mostly involved in the 2023 offense when he was the sole offensive coordinator. And in 2022, 2023, less so 2021, Michigan's has had a degree of power and athleticism and a type of high ceiling that we have not seen in Michigan offenses since the Lloyd Carr era or maybe in some little bright flashes with Denard Robinson or the Rich Rodriguez offenses, but those never really had the physicality that the Michigan offenses of these past three seasons had. 2021 was just a classic Harbaugh smash-mouth offense that he used from 2015 
up until I'd say 2018 at Michigan, who's a variant of that. In 2022 and 2023, Michigan was able to get more, even more physical. They were able to impose their will forcefully. And in 2023, the passing game was ruthlessly efficient. This offense has evolved to where Michigan isn't just known for their stout defense, for their elite defense, for producing NFL players on defense, but they're now known for producing elite offensive line players, and they're known to have an offense that, while it's not flashy, it's not even close to the 2021 Ohio State offense, for example, it it gets the job done. It's no longer a liability. In fact, they can drive on about any defense. We've seen it from Ohio State and Penn State to Alabama to defenses like Washington's who are not close to those three. That, that Michigan offense could operate on any defense that it wanted and was able to be fluid in its play style and strategy. So I think the hirings are similar for those reasons. And now I want to dive into talking about Michigan, the impact that Sharon Moore has on Michigan, and the impact that he has and this whole process has on Ohio State, like what it means for these two schools in the game. Jim Harbaugh and Jesse Minner are gone, big parts of the team. And Michigan loses 17 total starters, 10 on offense, only Colston Loveland returns, and 7 on defense. With Rod Moore and Makari Page, the safeties returning, Will Johnson best corner potentially in America now, returning, and Mason Graham at defensive tackle. Michigan only returns five starters. And I think Tommy Doman at punter and James Turner at kicker returns. So special teams, I'd expect special teams to get better next year. But the defense probably taking a step back, though I think there's enough two deep players and enough starters that they could reload. The offense is definitely taking a step back unless there are massive moves made in the portal or upgrades on the offensive coaching staff. And the offensive coaching staff, I already think, is one of the the better coaching staffs in the nation. I think the defensive coaching staff is up there, one of the best. The strength and conditioning program, I think, is number one. I mean, it's hard to get better than where Michigan was at over the past three-year run. It's, It's hard to be better than that. So there is a great chance that with this hiring, Michigan is going to take a step back. I'd have to peg Jim Harbaugh as a better coach than Sharon Moore right now because Moore has little experience. I think he's better than a lot or the majority of Power 5 head coaches, but that doesn't mean I think he's better than Ryan Day or Dan Lanning or Jonathan Smith or Lincoln Riley or Luke Fickle. I could go on and on, and on. There are a lot of coaches in the Big Ten, SEC, ACC, and Big 12 that I would peg ahead of him. Now, I think he's a great game manager. I think that the people who are saying Michigan's going to go 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, I think that is probably a little over the top, especially 6-6 six and six and 7-5. and five. But things are shaping up to where it looks like Michigan will take a step back, a significant step back this coming season. Michigan has elite depth at most spots, and they will retain most of their staff. So I'm not expecting Michigan to go from the best team in the country unanimously last season 
if you want to theorize about the fact that Georgia would beat them, I'd say too bad. I think Michigan would pound that team on the ground. But I don't think they're going to go from that to outside the top 50 or outside the top 40 or 30. I think they'll be inside the top 25. But that doesn't mean they're going to be top 10. Doesn't mean they're going to be top 15. And it'll be hard for them to be top 5 next season or top 4, top 3. That will be a challenge. Is it doable? Yes. Will it be challenging? Um, Yes, and more so. I expect more to make high-level hires, however, at both offensive and defensive coordinator. Whether that's names I mentioned for offensive coordinator, like Brennan Marion, or Isaac Newland, or Michigan somehow poaches Will Stein from Oregon, which probably won't happen, or maybe they get Cliff Kingsbury, or maybe they go low and pick up Paul Crist, which would irritate me, but it's a possibility. And I think a defensive coordinator, whether it's Zachary Orr, linebackers coach for the Baltimore Ravens, get that Ravens connection going, or Jim Leonard, or promoting Steve Klinkscale for defensive coordinator, or for the offensive coordinator, promote Kirk Campbell, who's had play calling experience before. I think that Moore will make great hires on both sides of the ball for position coaches and for coordinators. And I'm confident in regards to Michigan in the running back room with Donovan Edwards, Kalel Mullings, and Benjamin Hall. That will be one of the better running back rooms in the country. Miles Hinton returning on the offensive line and Michigan bringing in Josh Preby from Northwestern. That helps because Raheem Anderson, Giovanni Elhadi, I think are very capable offensive line players who were backups last season or even all the way down to the three deep with how deep the offensive line room was. And it's been well-developed, well-trained. They have, they're, they're strong and athletic there. So I'm confident in the offensive line, even though they lose basically all of their starters. I'm confident in tight end with Colston Loveland. On the defensive line, Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart, Mason Graham, and Kenneth Grant. That will be the starting four. That's going to be one of the better D-lines in the country. At linebacker with Ernest Hausman and Jason Barham, I'm confident. And at safety with Rod Moore and Makari Page and Keon Sab. That's a deep safety room. But at quarterback, Jaden Denegal, Alex Orgy, I think that Michigan probably needs a transfer there to at least add some competition, more preferably be the starter next season, unless Orgy or Denegal make a massive step forward. At wide receiver, Tyler Morris and Samaj Morgan look good, but they're young players, and they were not nearly the same players that Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson were. And I would like Michigan to add a receiver from the portal for depth. And at corner, Will Johnson's probably the best corner in the country, entering 2024, but Mikey Sandra still is gone. And Josh Wallace is gone. Anna Morian Walker entered the portal. So that's right there. One nickelback being seen were still and two corners and Wallace and Walker, they're gone. So Michigan needs depth at corner. That's an area where I have concerns. And to tie all of this up, Michigan's taking a step back and Ohio State hosts Michigan. They return more and they're going to be desperate, hungry, whatever you want to call it, to break the three-game losing streak. 
And I, I think it's pretty evident that looking at what Ohio State's done in the portal, recruiting the way that Ryan Day has handled business after the 2023 season, and really the way he's handled business since that first loss to Michigan, it's not a question of motivation with Ohio State. It's not a question about whether these players and coaches know the game. That's not the question. The question about Ohio State, I think, is more in the preseason and what goes on in the weight room and what goes on in the mind. That's where I think the question lies. I think for Ohio State, strength and conditioning has been behind Michigan. I think toughness at the lines of scrimmage in particular have been behind Michigan. Michigan objectively has had the better defensive line the past three seasons and the better offensive line past three seasons. So Michigan has beaten Ohio State in part, in large part, because they have the better trench play on both sides of the ball. If you have better trench play on both sides of the ball when you match up against an opponent, you're probably going to win that game. That's why Alabama beating Georgia in both 21 and 23 was so shocking because Georgia, for much of that year, in fact, for probably every game of that season until the two games that they played Alabama, had the better lines of scrimmage compared to the Crimson Tide, which, again, if you lead on the O-line and the D-line, against your opponent, you're probably going to win the game. Michigan's had the better running back room the previous three seasons, and now you you lean in and you, you look at the, the way-too-early depth chart, and look, I know we're going through the season, but way-too-early is now way, way, way too early because of the portal. The whole depth chart for any of these teams could be shaken up once again after spring. It really could. I mean, you, there's there's more unknowns. But we look at 2024, and I think Ryan Day and Ohio State have unanimously won the 2024 preseason, and we're not even a full month through it, and they've already won. Two five-stars coming in through the portal. When you look at their overall recruiting class, they have the most five-stars coming in, both through portal and high school. It's the number two recruiting class in the country. Their returning production is going to be insane. Yes, they lose nine starters, including quarterback Kyle McCord, but that means they look nine starters. That means they return 13, and they return much of their two deep as well. The players who transferred out of Ohio State were not players that were seeing playing time. The rotational players have returned as well on top of the majority of starters. The majority of the O-line is back, Travion Henderson's back, and Ohio State adds production in areas where they lose it. They lost Chip Trainum and Mayan Williams at running back. Who cares? They bring in Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss. On the offensive line, they lose Matthew Jones, but convince the, the better guard, Donovan Jackson, to return. And they add Seth McLaughlin, who will either be the starting center from Alabama, or he will be a starting guard in replace of Matthew Jones going out. Now you have options at the offensive line. On the defensive line, only Michael Hall Jr. is gone, but J.T. Tuimolau, Jack Sawyer, Ty Hamilton, and Tyleek Williams return. Linebacker is an area where th there are some questions, but 
ultimately, I think with Cody Simon coming back and you have C.J. Hicks there, I think coached under Jim Knowles, that that linebacker group will will not be a weakness. It will not be a. It might be a weak link, like a, a weaker part of the team, but it, it won't be weak overall. It just won't be as strong as what should be a loaded secondary and an impressive deep defensive line room with upside. Ohio State already has elite depth, but they're going to add on top of that with the number two recruiting class. And outside of the Bill O'Brien move, which is a move that, by the way, I really don't like the Bill O'Brien move, but outside of that, Ohio State's been absolutely perfect. I think that, I'll tell you this right now, if Ohio State brings in Will Stein, or they hire Ryan Grubb, or they hire Cliff Kingsbury, or they hire almost any other high-level offensive coordinator outside of Bill O'Brien, they would be my pick to win it all. They would. Because I think that the 2024 season is going to be a weak college football season. The quarterback play is going to tank. There will not be any Caleb Williams. There may not even be a Drake May. There will not be a Bryce Young. There will not be a C.J. Stroud. There won't. There will be... Quinn Ewers, Carson Beck, Caden Salter we have to look out for, Dylan Gabriel, Jalen Milrow I think might have the potential to be that X-Factor QB being coached by Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer, but that would be one of the only players I would circle as an X-Factor QB. That's one. And maybe... Jalen Daniels at Kansas, provided he can stay healthy and that the new offensive coordinator at least can do some of the magician work that Andy Kotelnicki did at Kansas. There's a wide window of opportunity. This is why, in part, I said that Michigan could be a top-four team next year, is because I think 2024, one of the only things I'm confident on right now is my predictions are all over the place and changing every day, is that 2024 will be a weaker year than we've seen even in recent memory. We haven't really seen a GOAT team since 2020 Alabama, and we got used to, whether it was 2018 Clemson or 2019 LSU or 2020 Bama, like teams that just owned other high-level opponents at times during those seasons. And Georgia in 21, 22, and Michigan in 23 somewhat replicated that, but I don't know if it was to the same degree I don't know if we'll have an undefeated champion in 2024, and I would say with the tougher schedules for SEC and Big Ten schools, I'd say the odds are against a 16-0 or 17-0, depending on where you're ranked, national champion. I'm confident in Ohio State's running back room, wide receiver. I know that Julian Fleming and Marvin Harrison Jr. are gone, but Igbuka was a 1,000-yard receiver in 2022, and I think Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes will step up. This wide receiver room will be the weakest since either 2020 or 2019, but it will still be an elite, near-elite wide receiver core. But I think that tight end and offensive line play and running back play and also athleticism at quarterback are going to be more important needs than ever before. At tight end with Will um, Car. I forget how you pronounce his last name or even how you spell it, but I think it's Carmack coming in at tight end and Jelani Thurman. He's very athletic, so I have confidence in the tight end room. 
The entire defense, I love. I think it could be the best defense in the country. I'm nervous about quarterback and offensive line. I think that Will Howard is a more athletic, gutsier Kyle McCord. I don't know if his passing ability is an upgrade. I know that certainly with his running ability, and I think with his stronger arm, he probably has more upside. But McCord was pretty accurate, and if you gave him good protection... He did not falter last year. And I don't know if that's the case with Will Howard or not. I mean, I could totally see a scenario where, with the departure of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Julian Fleming, and if the offensive line doesn't receive a massive upgrade, I could see a scenario where Will Howard has a worse or an inferior season passing the ball than McCord's last year. And the offensive line, four starters are returning, plus there's a portal addition. But the Buckeye offensive line room, I thought, was going to struggle even from the 2023 preseason at tackle. But they were supposed to be set at guard. And with support at guard, I thought the center position was going to be good as well. And they just didn't deliver at any point of the season. They didn't. So... That's an area where I'm not going to give a ton of benefit of the doubt to, but I do expect improvements along the offensive line. Where Sharon Moore's hiring impacts Ohio State is it adds more pressure. It does. Because now Michigan doesn't just have inferior returning production, inferior talent via recruiting, they also have an inferior head coach. They have a new head coach. Sharon Moore impacts Michigan in the sense that this could be a new era for Michigan, in the sense that they continue the dynasty. Maybe they they dive deeper into the pool of adaptation, get more on the NIL game, become more aggressive. I think Sharon Moore, just as a person, is more aggressive than Jim Harbaugh. There are good and bad things about that. And he's also younger, so that plays into it. It, it, is, it is a new era. It's a new chapter of Michigan football, um, which is frightening but also exciting. And for Ohio State, it amps up the pressure. The, the preseason winnings amped the pressure. The announcement of key players returning dialed up the pressure. And now this dials up the pressure even further. If Ryan Day loses to Sharon Moore again, with this loaded team, if he drops to 0-2 against him, that will be a bitter, bitter pill to swallow. And it would be one that, depending on how the rest of the season goes outside of the game, could that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back, and Ryan Day could be out of employment. Now, I think the chances of that are small, even if he loses to Michigan, and I think it would be asinine to do so. But... It's the same story with Jim Harbaugh before he beat Ohio State after the 2020 season. I said that I wanted him fired. And I actually think that objectively, Jim Harbaugh should have been fired after 2020. I'm glad Michigan didn't work off of objective reasoning, though, and executed that. I'm glad that they dug in, gave him, really extended him unwarranted grace and let him go on the run that he went on. A combined 40-3 and three record, three Big Ten titles, and a national championship. At some point for Ryan Day, you have to end that losing streak to Michigan, and it has to be sooner rather than later. 
especially with all the factors going your way. Home field, more experienced roster, superior talent, superior experience at head coach, etc. And that's all I have to say in this video, though. Thank you for watching. I want to thank my Patreon supporters. Thanks to Crash2488 for sponsoring the studio as a Heisman patron. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst for sponsoring the studio as an All-American patron. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for sponsoring the studio as an All-Conference patron. Have a great day, guys. Make sure to follow the channel if you're listening to Spotify, and subscribe if you're listening to YouTube. Have a great day.